I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Uh, Today we're joined by Ian Boyd. Ian is the X's and O's expert of InsideTexas.com, your source for Texas Longhorn football and recruiting news. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Bobby. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. Um, Ian, each and every week, uh, you are breaking down uh, the film uh, for the upcoming opponent, as well as looking back at the the previous one. Um, And, you know, you and I talked and you, you wrote an article uh, that uh, is going to be published uh, uh, on Thursday uh, that I want to discuss with you about and, and try to go more in depth uh, for people that are interested. Uh, and I want you to start uh, with one of the things you really picked out, and that's the Baylor run game and how Texas uh, might elect to uh, defend that. So the Baylor run game is uh, their bread and butter this year. They're very, very run centric. They will line up in uh with two tight ends a lot um, and they will line up in pistol under center and they just run the wide zone play, which is uh, it's outside zone. Some people run outside zone differently. The way they do it is as wide as, as anybody. That's why they, that's why they like to use wide instead of just outside zone, but it's, it's very similar to what Texas runs a lot for Pijan. Um, they have a million different ways to run it, a lot of different formations, but, at the end of the day, they're just running that and then play action off, off that is the foundation of their offenses. Similar to what they were doing at BYU last year, although they also had that Zach Wilson guy, so they had, you know, a few other things for him. So so they line up in the pistol to do that so they don't give away um, strength of the formation. Is that correct? Yeah, if you they, – they will do it from the pistol. They'll do it from the gun sometimes too, but they will do it from the pistol a lot. Same reason Texas does it that way is because you don't want the defense to be able to predict which way to slant or which way to set the edge because the running back could, you know, go in either direction, whereas the shotgun, he's going opposite where he is. Gotcha. So tell me, I mean, how does Texas defend the outside zone uh, and what, what – uh, Adjustments do you expect Pete Kwiatkowski uh, and his staff to, to implement? Well, they're fortunate in that they faced another good outside zone team two weeks ago in Oklahoma State. I, I, I think Oklahoma State honestly might even be better at it than Baylor this year, even though they haven't made it a big, you know, they don't talk about it all the time, but they run it as much or more and I think maybe a little better. Um, and Texas adjusted to it pretty well. I mean, obviously there was breakdowns late in the game um i think that was largely fatigue but what they found was um they found that they could get away with playing a 3-4 defense even when oklahoma state had three receivers on the field and so they would have an outside linebacker on either side and no matter which way the play was run one of those outside linebackers would set a hard edge and the whole point of wide zone is you're trying to stretch the defense out laterally and then the running back finds creases if you go watch uh Baylor against BYU, sometimes when they show like an all 22 end zone cam, you'll see that some of the creases that they were hitting against BYU were just massive, like 
five yard wide holes for the running back. Um, but when you have a, a hard edge set, that does not happen. And so they have to find a crease by going a little more downhill and they have to, you know, get that going downhill on Alfred Collins, Keandre Coburn, Moro Ojimo, Tifandre Sweat. And it's really not that great of a matchup for Baylor. Um, Texas has defended zone pretty well this season and they defended it a lot better when they were running a three, four, uh, against Oklahoma state. Now they've had two weeks to, you know, expand that package and, and, and really dial it up for Baylor's offense. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, I, I look at it and Abram Smith, the Baylor running backs, very talented. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, you could make an argument that he, he, Bijan uh, and Brees Hall are three of the, the most talented backs in the, in the conference. And Texas has given up a lot of yards uh, to those backs. Even um, Jalen Warren, they ended up, because of the fourth quarter push by Oklahoma State, they gave up a, a lot of yards too. You know, how does, how does this happen uh, if Texas had – they did have Oklahoma State's number for three quarters – but that fourth quarter, they just ran out of juice. Is that because they could no longer set the edge? Is that because Oklahoma State just kind of found something there and Texas ran out of ga gas? Why would – and so what I'm asking is why would their why effort against – why would their effort against Oklahoma – or uh, upcoming effort against Baylor be any different than their effort last week against Oklahoma State? I think the biggest thing would be uh, removing the negative factor of having – an hour of three and outs uh, that keeps your defense on the field for the entire second half almost. Uh, I think that's the, the biggest, most obvious one. They need to get first downs on offense throughout the entire game. They've been very boomer bust on offense this season. They need to be more steady, even like even the same number of three and outs, but, but more, you know, evenly dispersed would probably help this defense. Um, I'd say that's the big one. Another one is if you look back at some of the plays where Oklahoma State really busted them, a lot of them had backups in for Texas. You know, a backup linebacker takes a bad angle. Uh, a backup defensive lineman doesn't fit his gap. I, you know, at some point you'd think they'd tighten up these rotations a little bit. Uh, maybe they felt like they couldn't afford to do that because they were defending, you know, ultimately 80 plays on Saturday. So that may be another one where, you know, pick up more first downs and hold the ball on offense and maybe you don't have to sub as much on defense and then you get fewer of those breakdowns that way. Um, and then, you know, probably they won't, you know, maybe they won't need to let Baylor score on purpose and that, that would eliminate another bust or two. Yeah. I, so, um, you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned about Texas's need to, maintain the ball. The other th big thing that you talk about in your article is, uh, you know, something that you heard Sark say about his offense that you thought was interesting. Um, talk about that. Yeah. Well, he had a quote. I was going to try to pull it up, but that's right. I think I can remember. He had a, he had a couple of interesting quotes in his press conference. Um, and one one was, was about, uh, he said that he had a tendency when the team was struggling to uh, just kind of, go back to basics and call basic plays that he knew the team could execute and knew how to run. And that that was his tendency, but that on reviewing film, they found that when they made some of their more, he called them elaborate play calls. Now we can only, 
read into what that means, but I'm pretty sure an elaborate play call means we designed this formation and designed this play specifically for this defense, as opposed to like the tight zone play that we saw Tom Herman call as a run home to mama play, you know, 20 times a game for four years. And uh, Sark was saying that when they, when they reviewed the film, the team ran the elaborate play calls well, even late in the game when they were having struggles and going three and out all the time. When they called those plays, they still executed them pretty well. So he was saying that the players are showing me on film that they can be trusted to run, uh, you could say scripted plays for a bigger portion of the game. So I need to reward that trust and call scripted plays for bigger chunks of the game. Um, so I think that that's something we're going to see from here on out, certainly against Baylor coming off a of bye week. You know, they have had two weeks to prepare for Baylor's defense to draw up all kinds of uh, formations and designs to try to really, you know, attack Baylor's tendencies, attack Baylor's personnel. And I think that Sark is going to rely on that and try to honestly try to hold Casey Thompson's hand throughout the entire game by giving him uh, easy uh, – I don't want to sound too patronizing, but, you know, easy, easy, easy size bites to swallow so that he can be effective. Um, well, I, ho I hope he doesn't, I hope he doesn't grab him by the thumb when he holds his hand. <laughs> so, the, 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 the question then is this, right, Ian, is um, we've talked about the scripting of plays and how successful Sark has been in the first half of just about every single game this year. Uh, Texas has really been impressive in first halves and, and, in many instances, squandered the second halves of games, uh, particularly the last two. Um, my, my question is, if that's the case, where do you think we'll see, you know, a better output in the second half? Obviously, that's the design than what we've seen in the, in the past. Or do you think that's just asking too much to, to come into an entire game with scripted plays or scripted halves? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think they are totally capable of it, especially coming off a of bye week. Uh, I'm curious what their aptitude might be for that against Iowa State the following week. You also wonder, you know, what happens if your script is uh, uh, poorly written for what the opponent actually does? What happens at that point? Um, I think they probably have a pretty good idea what they're going to get from Baylor, though. So I don't know. You see other you see other coaches do this. Um, um, Lincoln Riley will draw up clever designs all day, every day, run them the entire game. Um, if you practice, however it is that Oklahoma practices, and Sark seems to think, however it is they're practicing their offense in these plays, they are it's working. They're getting the reps they need to have a large variety of different plays and be able to run them effectively. Uh, they also had another interesting quote in there where he said that. Um, Casey Thompson has been very effective this year when he basically, when he drops back and he sees what he expected to see. 
Uh, I think part of that is, you know, part and part of the reason we saw such a huge disparity in Casey Thompson's effectiveness throwing deep versus Oklahoma, as opposed to when he was throwing deep against Oklahoma State, is that against Oklahoma, he saw what he expected and he was able to get the ball out on time, top of his drop he's throwing, um, and against Oklahoma State, not. So they said that they've been, the, I guess, the shot plays, the plays where they really want to go after Baylor, they've been practicing them a lot, enough so that Casey Thompson will be effective throwing checkdowns if the throw isn't there at the top of the top of the read uh, which tells me above all else it tells me that Sark is seeing the same thing I'm seeing well I mean I guess that means I'm right because obviously Sark is right mm-hmm. and that he's uh, he's aware that he needs to um, game plan very carefully for Casey Thompson for him to maintain the effectiveness he's had against say Texas Tech and he's trying to respond accordingly yeah, as Texas has tried to push the ball down the field more and, and successfully so against OU, less successfully, obviously, against Oklahoma State, it seems like the running backs haven't been as involved in the passing game uh, as part of that. And some of that is it's OK if it's Oklahoma and you're, you're scoring 45 um, or, or, you know, whatever the number is. It's not OK if it's Oklahoma State and you're only scoring 20s in the 20s. Right. And so uh, I think that's a that that uh, along with what Eric Nalin has has said that he's heard that the, the tight ends really got some heavy looks in practices as well. That should be interesting to see how Texas is u- using the passing game uh, when Baylor applies pressure or when the deep ball isn't there um, for Casey. Um, the other thing that that worries me when you talk about scripting plays for both halves, Ian, is this. What happens if you really are on to something in the first half that Baylor just completely can't defend? And you know what? You go ahead and go away from it because it, it, even though it's working, because you have this second half already pre-scripted. I mean, so uh, the question is, if you get into this scenario where they can't stop something, I, I guess there's always the chance that someone alters a script, right? It's, it's done all the time. Right. Not just in Hollywood, um, but uh, but uh, in uh, football as well. It, you know, what are your what does that look like? You know, from from a reality standpoint, is that something to be concerned with? It's like the guy that has the success running the ball in the first half and goes completely away from it in the second. I mean, I guess that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't think we've really seen from Sark. Um, that he'll just try to get too clever and, and get away from what works. Uh, if anything, at times he's been maybe a little more conservative than you would have expected. Um, and, and when we talk about a play script, it's not necessarily like an exact order, you know, of like, we have to call this and we have to call this and we have to call this. It's more of, they have like a list, those little play sheets that they hold for everybody at home. Those have a list of different plays for different circumstances. And then when it's in that circumstance, they can pick off the list of plays uh, that they had practiced and prepared specifically for that game. So I think mostly what we're talking about here is on those lists of plays that they have pre-approved for that game, having more elaborate designs and less um, of your really basic standard schemes, but having more like um, not just outside zone, but outside zone from this specific formation with this specific motion um, and then things like that. And just being just generally more complicated with what they're doing. Um, so, and if, if in that, in that event, you'd think that 
if something's working, then they won't have to, they won't be married to um, getting away from it. Yeah. So basically the two big things that you're, you're taking away as of right now is uh, how Texas will defend the Baylor outside zone. Uh, and uh, Sark, you think has got some uh, thought process going on right now uh, to uh, really not only checking down for Casey uh, if the deep ball's not there, but also the second half blues, so to speak, that Texas is. You think he's he's a, he's trying to address those in this off week, which you know, frankly, that makes a lot of sense because those are the two pieces that have that have uh, caused Texas problems this year. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. I, no, that's as as someone that that doesn't read into that too much. I think that's encouraging for a Texas fan because, as a guy that I, I mean, I obviously I watch the games, but I also rewatch them a couple times every day. And and I could tell you that stopping the run and um, uh, sure tackling is a part of that, and then also the second half offense has been the bugaboo for Texas the last two games. And, and it sounds like to me, they're addressing, they're trying, at least from what your read is, they're trying to address those two things directly, either with personnel uh, in the case of defense or um, via um, a different uh, scheme or strategy uh, overall for offense. Um, You know, let's, no matter what Texas calls, the best player on the field for the Longhorns, and, and you and I have talked about this, is Bijan Robinson. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, who they're playing. He's going to be the best player. Um, do you see Bijan having success against this Baylor defense that has a lot of, I think, a lot of sure tacklers, good linebackers, uh, active players? Or um, what, what are your thoughts on that for, for Bijan as he heads into this game where he's playing a guy that, frankly, and Abram Smith is a, a really good back himself and, and uh, definitely an NFL-type uh, back himself. Yeah, Abram Smith, you know, he played running – no, sorry. He, he played linebacker last year uh, when Terrell Bernard went down, and he was very good at it. When I heard he was moving to running, running back in the spring, I thought, what are you doing? That was, that was one of your best linebackers. Um, they've been fine at linebacker. Um, they got Bernard back, and he's been their best running back. He's been better than uh, Tristan Ebner, who's – also a good player. Um, they have a they have a good run game. I, I've as far as Bijan goes, it doesn't really seem to matter who Texas plays. He just he's gonna make a handful of plays. He's very difficult to stop. You know, we we I wrote about against Oklahoma, against Oklahoma State. They had very good players up front, and they had their safeties just sitting on the run game, just parked shallow, and everybody was all eyes on Bijan, and he ran for you know, 120, 130 yards and six yards per carry in both games. Uh, obviously, they were able to shut him down for stretches of the game and, and do enough to beat Texas. But he still got his, you know, that is, you know, he's an amazing player. An yeah. amazing player. It's, it'll be an awful shame if he doesn't get Heisman attention because of the losses, uh, because he's extremely difficult for teams to stop. So I... I I think Baylor, um, their defense is their defensive front is probably comparable to Oklahoma State, which is very good. Um, but I don't think that is enough to stop Bijan from still getting his hundred yards. You know. Yeah, uh, Bijan's having a, a really really nice season. Um, 
you know, uh, so what do you think this game comes down to uh, for, for Texas and Baylor? So I, I think that the Baylor run game is less scary for Texas than it would appear. Um, I break down some numbers in the column for tomorrow uh, or the, the next column, whenever this comes out. And uh, Texas's run defense has been not quite as bad as it seems. Now teams have been able to go to the well and get what they need and, uh, and move the ball. But if you took out, if you, if you took out the Oklahoma game, it doesn't look nearly as bad. And if you took out just the counterplay against Oklahoma, it really doesn't look so bad either. Uh, especially when you consider that Texas is playing a bend don't break style They're They're not looking to just completely shut down the run. Most of the time they're willing to let you pop a couple here and there uh, as long as you can't score. Um, so I, I, I think that, and with Alfred Collins and the 3-4 defense all established for this game, I think the Texas run defense is not quite as vulnerable against Baylor as you would think. I don't think the Baylor run game is quite as good as you'd think just from looking at, you know, say, Abram Smith's yard per carry totals, which I think are near the top in the league. Um, I expect Bijan Robinson will outproduce their run game, but that this will come down to which quarterback makes – better decisions, which quarterback avoids turnovers or which quarterback makes, you know, the handful of big plays on play action that can break the game open um, and lead to, you know, getting touchdowns within field goals. So Casey Thompson on this play script versus uh, Jerry Bohannon. I, th I think that's where the game comes down to. Bohannon's only had one interception on the season. Uh, so we, yeah. I've watched him. I think it's a, a near miracle that he only has one interception because he, he he's thrown some balls this year. Let, let me tell you that could, could have been intercepted. Coaches are going, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> he's been good. He's been better than I expected. I think he might be very good before he's done there. Um, I, I don't think he's, you know, Caleb Williams though. So yeah, he's not, he's not superhuman. I mean, everybody has their, their own pieces to it. Um, all right. I, I appreciate your time, uh, Ian. Uh, but before we go, I have uh, I have to ask you anything else you want to add uh, to this uh, conversation that people need to be looking out for X's and O's wise uh, when Texas visits Baylor this weekend. I think um, a really interesting battle that I, I will touch on in the column is uh, Baylor's pass defense and pass rush against Texas specifically on those obvious passing downs, you know, second and 10, third and six. Texas clearly missed Jordan Whittington last week or uh, last game two weeks ago. And Baylor, they have an interesting approach on defense there. If you watch them, you might think, you know, you might be able to recognize Todd Orlando's defense when you watch them. Only they, they look a whole lot better running it than uh, Todd Orlando's teams did. They are they really are pretty reliant on blitzing to get pressure on the quarterback, but they're very, very good at it. Um, their best blitzers are their linebackers and their nickel uh, Jalen, Jalen Peter. And uh, they're not going to, they don't have like an edge rusher that will just whip your tackle. Um, but they might blow someone by your tackle because your tackle didn't even realize they were coming on the blitz. Uh, so that'll be one thing to watch. And then also how Texas tries to attack them, how they try to pick up those yards without Jordan Whittington on the field. Um, that is where I would expect to see Keelan Robinson get more involved. 
and maybe expand that two running back package they've been using that they used a lot against. They, they haven't really used it the rest of the year as much as they did against uh, Louisiana when they used it almost as their favorite way to pick up third downs, you know, motioning the running backs in and out of the backfield. I think we might see a lot more of that as a, as a way to, to get Baylor to tip their hand on what kind of blitzes they're bringing and from where they're coming from uh, to try to manipulate the linebackers so that they're not in good position to rush the passer. And then just to give Casey some good, reliable guys to hit for five to 10 yards when they really need them. So that, that'll be an interesting chess match that could be really big in this game. Well, I'm going to ask you, you know, we'll, we'll do our uh, around the horn thing tomorrow when we start asking about who's going to win and, and that sort of stuff. So we'll, we'll uh, hold it for that for now. I won't ask you for a score prediction, but uh, Ian, thanks for your time. Once again, Ian Boyd, college football analyst for InsideTexas.com, your source for all things Texas football and recruiting. I'm Bobby Burton, your host of On Texas Football, also a member of the Inside Texas staff. Uh, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel here. Uh, just click the red subscribe button in the bottom right-hand corner. Ian, thanks for your time. Uh, everybody, thank you all for joining in, and uh, we'll see you soon. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.